Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by... Hello, I am Isabel, and... This is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about another trope dissection. Today's anime trope dissection is healers. Now, when we are talking about healers, we are talking about it in more of a fantasy, magical sense, uh, because we have noticed that in regards to tropes, doctors and healers get treated differently. And we, like all our trope dissections, we are going to explain our thoughts about the actual trope itself and what um, an example of a trope we like in its utilage and then a trope that we do not, or an example that we didn't like. So healers in a magical sense tends to follow these particular criteria. They tend to be women. They tend to be uh, only known for their healing. They're not known for anything else usually. And they tend to be sort of known as the weakest of the group. They, they're the ones who are damsel in distresses, which we've done a separate episode of a damsel in distress trope before. And uh, they tend to get in trouble a lot. They need a lot of saving and they kind of get knocked out easily. <laughs> um, but they are vital to the group because they're the reason why people are still alive. Now, when I was doing research for this trope, it actually just kind of made me angrier and angrier because I feel like anime has done healers really, really dirty in regards to the magical sense because it's very obvious that when healers show up in anime, it's in sort of a battle setting and it's a fantastical version of field medics and field doctors, which are uh, nurses and doctors and people who are involved in medics that go out onto the battlefield. And I think they are done dirty because after I've done my research, and that includes actually looking at different forums and subreddits of people who are in the military, it's so ironic because while there are separate infighting within, you know, the many different uh, types of military, one thing that all of them unequivocally agree on is that their field medics are badasses and are not only the kindest people in the group, but are also the strongest and the bravest. And I feel like anime has a tendency to just focus on the kind and they completely forget about the strong and the brave part. So that was a little upsetting for me, at least when I was doing research for this. But the good news is this is actually, I think this is why I fell in love so much with uh, the first example I'm going to give, which is one that I liked in regards to its trope usage, which is Say from The Saint's Magic Power is Omnipotent. This is a fairly recent anime, I would say, and it's one of those isekai, but unlike other isekai, the main character is a girl and she did not reincarnate into a villainess's body, which is been a the female character protagonist isekai uh you know story that is probably most popular per se so first question did any of you two watch the anime i did after reading your review oh you did okay uh what about you isabel uh no i didn't get a chance to start that one Mm -hmm. okay well uh so i'm gonna ask the question to you agnes did you like uh say's portrayal as you know a healer or did you not 
To be quite honest, I actually don't remember her being a healer at all. Wow. <laughs> I don't know I don't know why it went over my head. I do remember watching the whole thing from start to finish, but my brain is completely empty. So you'll have to kind of elucidate it for me. Okay, yeah, no problem at all. So basically, Say is the overpowered protagonist that was reincarnated from Earth into a fantasy world. However, Unlike usual isekai where it's the male protagonist that gets reincarnated with a huge, you know, with huge mana or like a huge ability, she her powers aren't related to physical attacks. Her power is related to healing. She can instantly heal any wound very, very quickly and she can heal anything like even plants and poison lands and all that stuff. And there's one particular episode where you really see the extent of her powers because a guy lost his limb. Like, he, it was a soldier who lost his limb, and he, and at that time, she was told to keep her powers under wraps, but he has to quit the military because he cannot fight anymore, but his bigger concern was more about the fact of he's not quite sure what he can do with only one arm, like who would want to hire him and how would he even make a living. And so she legit just regrew his arm just like that. And I really like the usage of say as a healer trope because I don't think, I think people forget how important and honestly how powerful of a thing healing is because the usual characters we see that embodies it are very weak and like I said they're usually the ones that first go down but in Say's case as the reincar as like the summon to another world savior being the healer is I think just the best way to really utilize and show how important healing is and how powerful it is because if you can heal that fast that quickly and you can heal anything in a way you're immortal in that sense and that's the pro and immortality is, has always been like one of the highest parts of oh like this person is impossible to beat and so having say as the main character to embody that was really good i also like the uh little switcheroo they did with uh the love at first sight so this anime in particular has a sort of fairy tale esque feeling and atmosphere to the characters. Obviously, the uh, anime men are drawn very, very handsomely. Literally, not a single one is unhandsome. And so, but usually in these sort of stories, it's the knight who saves the, you know, kind, empathetic girl. And then she instantly falls in love with the knight who saves her. But in this anime's case, they switched it where instead it is the kind of pathetic girl who saves the guy because she heals him and he's the one who falls in love first sight with her. So I like that little switcheroo in regards to just like shipping and romance. I always like it when sort of ship dynamics do a little switch. So that's another thing I really like. But I, but I think really what was most important is that Say has such a distinct personality aside from just being kind. Like, of course she cares, but... She, as a reincarnated person, or she as someone who was forcibly summoned to another world, she just wants to have a comfortable, you know, 
life without having to think further on stress because she has been stressed enough as a working adult, something that I think we could all relate to. And Mm -hmm. because of that, she, it can be quite sassy and her internal monologues are really funny because like one thing is obviously the world's a little more conservative because it's more medieval-esque. And so showing your ankles is like a no-no there. And when her love interest walks in on her, like, like, you know, dipping her feet into cold water so she can cool down. He freaks out and she like quickly like has to cover her ankles. And and when he's like kind of awkward about it she, inside her internal monologue, she's like, don't be awkward. Don't be awkward. Don't be awkward. Because if you're awkward, I'm going to be awkward. And I really don't want to be awkward. And so <laughs> I really like that sort of like internal thoughts. I hear you chuckling there, Isabel. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah it's really funny. Say that again, sorry. (laughs) No, it's just really funny that, you know, having those awkward thoughts and then like, please don't do that to me. And yeah. Yes, very relatable in that case. And she, yes, that was the other thing. She actually sounds like a modern working woman with a lot of her internal thoughts and a lot of her gripes. Like one thing was talking about vacation days and stuff like that. She's like, (laughs) do they have vacation days in this, you know, type of world? But anyway, I digress. The thing is, I liked how they still... They still utilize a lot of the typical tropes, as in her healing gets more powerful when love is involved. She's obviously a kind, empathetic woman who cares about people and wants to heal people. But the thing is, she is also more than that. She has, you know, a personality. She has things she wants to do. She's involved with making potions and stuff, mainly because it was already spoken that when she was back in the real world she was really really into nutrition and plants and she would have liked to have done something with that more in her life but she ended up choosing a job that would make her money uh, that would quickly get her on a salary which of course ends up being a bit mindless and at a desk and working late hours and so she was using this opportunity as a way to sort of explore things that she wanted to explore that she wasn't able to and All in all, it was like a good package while not underestimating what healers can do and the entire powers they can encompass. And because of that, I appreciate it, even though it is definitely more marketed towards women. And I think women as a whole would probably enjoy it a little more. But I just think that this is an example of a healer girl actually done right and feels like a hero slash savior that isn't just shoehorned in because the girl is pretty and kind and, you know, has the ultimate healing powers, but ultimately needs saving all the time. She is the one doing the saving because her healing powers are just that powerful. So yes, that is my example of a trope of a healer that I did really, really enjoy. Does that toggle your memory any bit, Agnes? (laughs) I definitely remember the scene where she was healing the guy with the limb and I think that was the first time she openly displayed her powers and decided to say, F*** it all, I'm just going to heal this man. I don't care what the rules say about me trying to keep a low profile. I'm going to heal this man because he needs help. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that you talked about uh, Saintess because I remember when I started watching, I thought to myself, how boring will the gag be? by the end of this series, if they're just going to have her keep healing people. But for some reason, it was not riveting, but it was interesting enough that I was still able to keep consistently watching it up until the end. Despite it being an isekai for one, and despite it to the healer 
is technically omnipotent. You would think like, oh, there's nothing that she can do wrong. There's no like character development she can do. There's like, what's the point, right? But it's actually pretty good. And I do agree with your assessment of how her as an adult working woman has a lot more personality than a banal like 16-year-old who's isekai'd and has a power. And there was a 16-year-old girl who got isekai'd. But yes, exactly. Yeah, even, that's an interesting contrast. Even her though, like I feel like she was portrayed a little more realistically because she starts crying when she finds out she can't go home. I'm like, girl, I understand. If I get summoned at 16 years old, I'm not going to be jumping in glee. I'm going to be like, how do I get home? So... So there's also that, but yes, uh, I'm glad that you are you remember it now, and I'm glad that you did enjoy it and continue it. It's very fairy tale esque. It's definitely made to pander to the romantic heart. Uh, that I'm not gonna lie, but I do. I think it's it still has enough uniqueness for me to really enjoy it, and I'm really glad to hear that a second season has been announced. So I'm really happy yes. about that. Cool. I hope they delve more about the world in itself too, mm-hmm. and any kind of struggles that the saintess does have, even though she has like an omnipotent healing power. Like for instance, if she has to encounter something that is like a curse, or yeah, something that is uh like forever undead. You know, yes. like does her healing powers have anything to do with the undead, which are cursed and cannot actually ever be healed Mm -hmm. and i also think that she probably will still have some limits in my opinion because healing is healing but when someone's dead i don't think there's any way to really bring them back either so that will also be interesting if someone near her that she cares about you know unfortunately dies and no matter how omnipotent your powers are it can't do the impossible that would be something really interesting to explore right yeah but yeah, so that is my example of one that I think did a good job. My counterexample of one that I didn't like that really disappointed me is from Naruto, but it's not Sakura, so hold your horses. Um, it's not Sakura. It's actually Tsunade. Cause okay, I was going to say, like, it has to be either Sakura or Tsunade. Okay. Oh, really? I was uh, considering Eno. <laughs> Eno's not even a healing ninja, though. I know, that's true. I just thought she was at first, but... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you, you, oh, we thought because she had a, like a mini training arc with Sakura before yeah. she decided to say fuck that to healing and decide to go off elsewhere. Exactly, that stuck with me so hard that I always thought of her as the healing type. Like, oh, she's like Sakura's <laughs> copy. Wait, who? You know. Uh, Eno. Eno. Oh, Eno. Yeah, no, she's she's a spy in all honesty. So mm-hmm. <laughs> she 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 dipped out so fast of that healing class. She's like the same for me, guys. Actually, funnily enough, Boruto did a really good healing episode, which is more, I would say, like, forward-thinking than Naruto is, because, and it was a filler of all things, but basically it was, like, the big, tough taijutsu guy who was naturally really good at healing, and he himself didn't even believe it. He was like, am I? Am I good at this? Like, it never (laughs) occurred to him. And uh, Sakura's daughter, Sarada, she was terrible at it and like sounds about right yeah (laughs) she's got her dad's genes (laughs) yes like she was awful and she was like god shouldn't i be good because my mom's the one who's good at this but she was awful and the big taijutsu guy is the one who's like killing it essentially but i digress we're talking about examples of uh, the the trope that we didn't like so I didn't like Tsunade, and the reason why is putting it into comparison with Sei, because I like to compare two that are kind of similar to each other, is when Tsunade was introduced, she seemed like this total badass, you know, like she, like, will fight you, and she will, like, you know, 
she's forward. She knows what she wants. She becomes like the first Hokage that is a woman. And she has these incredible healing abilities while also having all these other uh, other stuff that she could fight with, which, you know, she's the new leader. It kind of in a similar situation of say and uh, obviously their uh, obviously their settings are very different, but kind of a similar situation, say, of being uh, of being introduced as someone with holding a lot of power and a lot of abilities. But as the series went on, she just sort of gets relegated to being a healer. Like, that's all I, aside from Tsunade's, like, one punch that ends up getting used more as, like, a comedy gag than an actual fighting thing, I just remember her doing healing. And she's also constantly in need of getting rescued while she gets portrayed as one of the great threes, you know, but Jiraiya and, or Jiraiya, who actually died, oh, spoilers, I guess, for people who might not know, but um, Jiraiya, who actually died, and and Orochimaru, who refuses to die, by the way, um, those two both- Orochimaru's a G. <laughs> Orochimaru's the ultimate winner, sadly, but he just gets younger and younger every time we see him, but anyway- Despite one of them dying and the other one being a villain, they have such big moments of fighting that just get seared in your head of what they are capable of and what they are willing to do and, you know, what their motivations are. But with Tsunade, once she becomes Hokage, I can't really remember anything she truly does aside from the fact that she can send out her slugs to heal people as they went and she often needed to she often got hurt and she needed to get rescued which usually Naruto stepped in and she um, was able to retain her youth and sometimes she will release it and you know like I, I just I don't have any iconic fights with her afterwards. It's like all that bravada that was introduced early on was just suddenly gone. And that still kind of upsets me to this day because she got such like a big sort of entrance and like, you know, introduction of who she is. And ultimately, I felt like she barely really did anything as the first woman Hokage with such incredible healing powers. So... I thought she was a really disappointing example of the trope itself. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think, because I think we're really used to hearing people and also like, you know, just overall having issues with Sakura. So um, I'm curious on what you guys think of Tsunade. I'll go first for this one, because mm-hmm. I recognized why you mentioned Tsunade. Do you not remember the scene where she releases the seals, though? Where she decides to convert? It was like, she healed like over a hundred something patients or something and then like she was talking about like the the code of the medical ninjas i thought that was pretty cool and indicative of her position as healer ah uh, i don't i'm gonna be honest with you <laughs> oh okay because i remember that scene because that was when she was teaming up with all of the other hokages from the different villages to go against again i think madara yes i remember oh yes i remember being disappointed by that fight that's what i remember okay <laughs> yeah she only, she only does like one big punch and that's about it so <laughs> i can see why your disappointment ended there yes yeah, so and not it for all of her talk in her introduction introduction at the early beginnings of naruto she doesn't really do much afterwards and i can kind of understand why kishimoto was going to that route with Tsunade because it kind of reminds me of how you were talking about medics in the military and in armed forces are generally people who cannot and should not take action 
when it comes to like the physical killing and the fighting, uh, because they should be fo- uh, wholly focused on healing or administering to the wounded. But at the same time, they are conversely like the bravest as compared to Tsunade. I guess she kind of embodies that bravado and that courage, but it it feels like her heroic feats aren't weighed as much as compared to actual military men and women and other people who are medics on the field. I guess it's just I need to I need I don't remember a scene with her that stood out to me about the healing. And and maybe that's just me and it didn't impact me because clearly that scene did impact you. Um, but I, I just wanted that cool ultimate moment and I just felt like I never got it with her. So, yeah. <laughs> mm, I mean, it's more of a very subdued one because it's supposed to be the whole thing about like reserving your chakra and like building it up. Yeah. Uh, so I can kind of see why like it's considered like, oh, it's like a big thing, especially for Tsunade because it's like, you know, it's all of her teachings passed down to her disciples and it's part of the way of becoming a medical ninja. But the payoff is not as great as compared to a lot of the other um, Hokages and the sages that have really cool jutsus in addition to their basal powers already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Tsunade made up her own, I think, kind of like developed her own jutsus and skills as well, which she passes down to Sakura and her other disciples. So I think it's not easily seen. Um, I do agree with you, maybe like in the later parts of the series, we weren't seeing Tsunade as much, so she didn't really have an impact. She only had an impact, I would say, you know, in the first part of the series up until she became Hokage. Yes, and so yes. There, really. So I agree with you. Towards the end, you know, I was, you know, I'm, we were wishing she would be as impactful as Chiraya and Orochimaru, but not so much. Um, and not only that, there's a bunch of other characters in the fight as well. So at this point, I think she also kind of gave that power off to Sakura and everyone else who could actually fight. So she became kind of, um, you know, lost or really just um not spoken about side that line. much yeah sideline mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and it's unfortunate that her disciple who essentially takes over her is not one that people <laughs> like <laughs> and not no one unfortunately people look forward to, so <laughs> uh, anyway so that is my example of the healer trope and I am curious to hear uh, the next person, and I believe that's you, Isabel. My one big thing, and no one tell me, is I am wondering if any of you guys managed to find a guy healer, because healers, once again, as a trope for fantasy-related stuff, are almost always relegated to women. And at least out of the anime that I've seen, I've only seen women, even though I'm sure that there are men who also who also have healing powers. So I'm really curious to see if any of you guys picked men, but... That being said, Isabel, it is your turn next. So uh, what do you think of the healer trope? And, you know, uh, what are your examples of a good usage of it and a bad usage of it? Yeah, that's that's a great um, start. Well, like, at least I tried to find a male healer, too. So that I was thinking, what, what kind of male can I think about that heals? Um, and I couldn't really think of any. I know Redo of Healer, the male main ma- male character, is a healer. But oh, but knowledge, we don't talk about that. Anyway. She just totally is not a healer in my book. Like, I don't understand what goes on there. But yeah, that's the only one I could barely think about. And that didn't, I didn't really want to talk about his character either. So, um, but the first healer I do have is Elizabeth from Seven Deadly Sins. Okay. Uh, I ended up talking her about her, I think, in the Damsel in Distress 
podcast as well, um, but we didn't touch upon her healing abilities, which don't appear very early on in the city- series. So when we first see her, she is most she's definitely like a damsel in distress. She always needs saving. And she doesn't, she's obviously the weakest of the group. Even the pig hawk is stronger than her at times. Um, but that's really sad, actually. <laughs> it is. So, you know, hawk saves her ass a couple of times. Um, but, you know, she, she develops, um, not that she develops the power, but rather her power is awakened um, when pretty much the whole, when there's that big war between the Holy Knights and everyone else. And, it was just kind of like her single awakening moment, uh, which I really enjoyed. So I'm at first up until that point, I didn't really like Elizabeth. I didn't see the point of her. I just thought that she would be this character that, you know, is kind. She's really nice and nurturing. I don't have anything bad to say about her other than the fact that she didn't really do much. She's only there to find the seven deadly sins. But when she is awakened and we realize that she has, she's actually someone from the goddess race and that she's been reincarnated hundreds of times. Um, and she actually has this healing power um, to heal everyone around her or anyone that she focuses on. Um, and she can heal them pretty much instantly as well, which is pretty cool. I don't think she can bring them up back from the dead, um, but she is able to heal anyone in the surroundings, especially when she awakened her powers. Um, she healed everyone. And just like uh, Queen Healing that we talked about in our last podcast, she also had the made the ground grow flowers and things like that. Just, that just displays how strong her healing abilities are. And not only that, she also has a strong you know, desire to protect others. Um, I do think she sometimes u- overuses that, but in the end, she does protect the seven, seven deadly sins. So in return for them you know, protecting her throughout the series, um, she's able to do that more towards season three, season four, where she regains all her memories and she really displays, you know, what a goddess um, is like in terms of using her powers to fight the Ten Commandments uh, and fighting against demons. So she's able to just send out light and somehow uh, (laughs) cure them really or really just attack them um, in a way that doesn't hurt them. So she does a lot of cleansing and a lot of healing uh, later on in the series, but I really like her because she really embodies that kind of like um, healer type that we all know, and it's kind of predictable, but I do like the fact that she's strong and she's very confident in it when no one else is really confident about it, or they might question her abilities and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, that's what I think about Elizabeth. I don't know if either of you watched Seven Deadly Sins, so I'm not too sure how much you do know about Elizabeth. I think I left left off when they found the last de- seven deadly sins. The the guy with the sun. Oh, Escanor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Escanor. And then I saw I saw snippets and images of Elizabeth having the dual colored eyes, which was the awakening of her being like a healing goddess. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. But I think at that point my interest in Seven Deadly Sins unfortunately derailed so much that I lost interest in watching it altogether. <laughs> so I technically have not caught up yet, but hearing that Elizabeth actually pulls her own weight near towards the second half of the Seven Deadly Sins and actually is kind of a badass makes me inclined to go back and reread it. Yeah. What about you, Gracie? 
I haven't seen Seven Deadly Sins, but what I do like hearing from how you described it is that there's a progression in her powers. I do think that I, because uh, yes, I've watched a lot of Isekai um, uh, and a lot of fantasy, which tends to be Isekai anime lately, sadly. Uh, the healers, their powers kind of remain stagnant. They look exactly the same. They always just heal the same amount in the same time. So to hear how she starts off not knowing she can do it, and then, of course, realizing she can, and then once fully awakens, because uh, I didn't know there was a reincarnation plot, but uh, not that it matters, because once again, I don't watch it. But hearing just how it progresses and how it grows more and more powerful, I do think that's really important to see, and really and an interesting element that we don't usually witness in regards to healers, because with healers, it's just like, they can heal, and that's it. So seeing it grow and being and progressing from not knowing how to and eventually to its full potential. I really like that a lot. Yeah, I agree. That's what I like a lot as well. Seeing Elizabeth being able to utilize her powers and not be that person who needs saving all the time. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Agnes, as well. <laughs> if it, you get to the point where you see the seven deadly sins and then maybe, you know, you're not as interested anymore. And it's a long series overall. So I can see how you, uh, someone might take a while to see Elizabeth's growth um, and things like that. And I know the battles later on are definitely more messy and there's a lot of more characters. Um, so, but it's worth watching in my opinion, um, only if you're interested in that type of adventure story and things like that. I mean, I may touch up on it. I mean, Seven Deadly Sins has a lot of characters that I really did enjoy and character and some subplots that I also enjoyed, like Arthur and Merlin mm -hmm. for one was a really interesting subplot because Merlin is supposed to be a seven deadly sins, but she sort of allied herself with King Arthur when the sins had to disband. Mm -hmm. And so her relationship with Arthur is really interesting because Arthur is, you know, the coming of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table in Great Britain. So that's also a really important kind of tidbit right there too. And a lot of the other side characters like the demons and stuff too, that I was interested in. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it might take me a while to recover from it. Yeah, that's totally right. Um, but yes, um... My other character that I want to talk about that I didn't enjoy too much um, falls into the isekai one. Um, it's Restarte from The Cautious Hero. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so she's labeled as the goddess of healing, and I oh barely see her heal in the series. She she does she obviously does have healing powers, and the fact that she is a goddess, I thought she would have more influence and more knowledge. She does have knowledge, so she, you know, uh, helps our hero character, Seiya, try to become the strongest hero and defeat the Demon King. Um, but obviously, this this person's too cautious, and I do like the comedy in it. It's it's really funny. I really like the overall, like, kind of, like, how they, how Seiya kind of overprepares for everything. He always has, there's always a backup plan, you know, plan B, plan C, plan D. Um <laughs> Plan Z, while we might as well do all the letters. <laughs> I know, yeah, all the way until Plan Z, really. Um, he thinks way too far ahead, and Risa really has a hard time kind of keeping up with him. And the amount of times I see her heals, very little. I didn't finish the whole series, so I only got to about maybe half, I think maybe episode 10 or 12. But yeah, especially in the first, I think the first two episodes, where Seiya kind of overloads on using Hellfire to kill a town. And the town is literally burning in front of uh, Rista. 
I just thought, you know, as a goddess, you know, she would put it out or she would have some type of power to use, but she didn't. All she did was get a broom and try to stop a person from burning to death. Um, but eventually that person, to my knowledge, dies anyway. And what? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just skipped over. She's like, uh, you know, they're like, oops, you know, you know, he, you destroyed a whole town, say, uh, and burned some people in the process. And we don't talk about that. They just kind of move on to, I feel like from that, they insinuate the fact that people actually died. These citizens who didn't do anything, they were just caught what? in the crossfire. <laughs> I'm like, come on, uh, you're the goddess of healing. Can we do something? Can't you bring people back from the dead? Apparently she doesn't really care, I guess, you know, her only goal is to, I guess, um, you know, follow Seiya and defeat the Demon King and level up as a goddess because she she's one of the, uh, she, I guess her level as a goddess isn't as high as the other goddesses and gods, so she has to prove this by raising this hero and defeating, and defeating the Demon King and then she can, you know, gain more power as a goddess, I guess. But yeah, otherwise, I see her heal, you know, some minor injuries that people might have. And most of the time, she even gets herself into trouble and causes more trouble for Seiya. So she, most of the time, she's just standing on the sidelines, watching him fight. Um, and she's not supposed to help him, technically, but I don't. she doesn't really help him either in staying far away. She kind of gets herself, you know, either poisoned too, and she's stuck in, in prison or something, and then... Seiya has to do something to save her. So I think it's really funny that she, she just, she's kind of like a person that you don't want on your team, but she's you're stuck with really, on the adventure. But yeah, have either of you seen that one, or what do you guys think of Rista? I dropped it like after three episodes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I did do some research on the Cautious Hero wiki, and I think there is some more room to kind of dislike her because. Apparently she her her original self was a a healer from uh from a different world and she eventually passed away and was reincarnated as a goddess but her abilities as a goddess is a lot weaker compared to her other fellow deities I think so she really plays into that weak healer role and in addition to that she was already a healer in her past life so that's kind of a little bit awkward <laughs> Why did you drop it? Was it just the comedy? Was it your thing? Oh, uh, I was bored. Okay, nothing else. <laughs> yeah, that, I was. I was literally too bored. Like the guy is overtly cautious, and yeah, that's the comedic part. And I'm just like, if you're gonna be cautious, then what's the point of you being reincarnated in this world? You might as well not fight the demon god anyway at this point. So I was just like, okay, I don't want. I don't really care too much about this show anymore. I know people liked the ending of this series yeah i heard it, it got like, really insane at the end somehow yeah i don't know how but <laughs> yeah but i i don't i don't want to sit through another 10 episodes of gag and filler that i that leads up to that point no thank you i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i don't want to see Ristarte either at this point after re after reading her bio and she used to be reincarnated as a healer like that's the most tropiest trope uh, in here it says that when she was reincarnated, her previous incarnation was a healer, and she was also like the love interest slash partner of a previously reincarnate version of uh, Seiya. Mm -hmm. and, oh. and her incarnated version had a child with him. What? And I'm like, that's, that's like the tropiest trope of Final Fantasy 
with a healer and the main protagonist is that they have children together. Wait, 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 like, wait. Yeah, I need I'm to know. What Final Fantasy are you referring to? Probably like one or two. Oh, like okay. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, okay, that's like the, like the very typical fantasy route where you know you have a basic party composition with like i don't know a tank some dps and a and a healer and the healer and the the main protagonist is usually a tank or some fighter always get together and the healer has a baby with the with the the fighter and i'm like okay this is like the tropiest of tropes that i hate this already (laughs) (laughs) so as you probably guessed isabel based on my questions i did not watch this anime i know the boys quite enjoyed it at the end so you know mm-hmm. you could probably talk to them about it but i'm just more flabbergasted that she's a healing goddess and she doesn't even think to you know heal the guy burning in the fire because it's one thing if she's just a goddess that doesn't have healing powers and she has some other kind of power so then it becomes funny because she's still desperately trying to save this guy because of an asshole hero that she picked and you know and she can't do anything about it so it's a chaotic funny in that case but the fact that she has it right at her disposal to heal him like Come on, <laughs> that's, that's too much for me. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it really happens later on in the series, but yeah. Then when I first saw the episode, I was kind of shocked. I'm like, oh, okay. So what are you here for? What are you doing, actually? Like, technically, <laughs> what is yeah. your existence? <laughs> <laughs> what purpose do you serve? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, they're just there for the eye candy. She has big boobs, so that's that's the eye candy there. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, she's got big boobs. <laughs> I was thinking, like, when you were describing her, Isabel, I was like, so she's a healer that doesn't heal? <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, I can see why you picked her <laughs> as a reason to just like the trope versus Elizabeth from Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, all right, Agnes, it's your turn now. Um, You know, lay it out for us first. Did you find slash pick a male healer? And, uh, you know, if you didn't, well, it is what it is. But, you know, lay it out well, for there us. Well, <laughs> there is a, I say male healer in loose quotes because technically he's a doctor, but his powers are basically healing, question mark. Okay, okay. It's really weird. Um, I'll, I'll feature him in a little bit because I want to get to, I think my crap now i have three <laughs> in the course of this in the course of this podcast when we were like jumping around different topics and different female healers i was doing research on the side and i found one other person that was like oh my god wait she fits the healer trope but she's so different but it only happens in the manga which hasn't been animated yet and i'm like wait which one uh... do you do now? so i'm a little bit torn um, take your pick, ladies. What would you like me to spotlight for this episode? Let's start with the anime ones first, and then we can cover the manga one slash uh, guy healer one later. I'm assuming the guy healer one is also added in, so yeah. <laughs> okay, so so basically all three. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, that makes it easy. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wait, quick uh, question so we'll... before you continue. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, quick question for you, Agnes. Do you How do you feel about the healer trope before you dive into it? <laughs> I hate the healer trope because as somebody who does also play healer on video games of Final Fantasy XIV, healing is a stressful job and it makes you hate your job and hate everybody around you. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Okay, so basically, healer characters are not realistic enough. They should be cynical. No, because there are so many dumbasses that rush in and go like, I'm going to tank this boss. I'm going to take all the hits, but they don't use their skills appropriately. And you have to resurrect them each time. You're like, you dumbass. What did you do this time? You know? (gasps) I thought of a guy healer. Okay, sorry. Continue. (laughs) Continue. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so... In general, I don't like the healer trope after playing video games as a healer. It's a very stressful job. And having regen on your own as whatever class is much more suitable than being an actual healer class. Because an actual healer class, you're just going to be very, very salty up until the end. You're going to become... What's the word that you hate humans? Misanthropic? Oh, yes. Yeah, you're going to become a misanthropic at that point. You're going to hate people. um, Because people are dumb by nature so that's what it is um but in terms of a healer that actually fits that kind of personality would be she's actually considered a doctor but her healing her ability is healing is aikiko yosano from bungo stray dog oh my gosh yes i knew you were gonna pick her i knew it Well, there's a couple other ones, so you'll see where it is. I mean, I love her, so, you know, but... She's... It's really interesting because Yosano herself doesn't have that many scenes, so at first glance, she's not as memorable. But the the two arcs that she is actually involved in, in the two separate episodes that she's in, the first one is the one in the train with the lemon bomber, and the other one is in Edgawa Rampo's, like, secret book with Edgar Allan Poe. Right. She's a formidable type of person you know she is kind of batshit crazy because her ability only allows to heal people when they're literally at death's door so when they're just about to die she can heal them but she can't heal like minor injuries like if you get a paper cut she's not gonna heal it for you and i think that really fits into her personality really well too because she gives no she literally gives no and she is so brave and courageous to go out there with a big cleaver and just cut people up and if, let's say, she's doing torturing for the detective agency, she'll just keep cutting them up and healing them as she goes until she gets the information out of them. So I'm just like, what an interesting and realistic portrayal of the actual healer class straight out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also did some digging about her backstory, too. And it's really interesting because she herself was manipulated as the healer type role. She was recruited by Mori. This is actually events that haven't been animated yet, so I don't know when that's going to show up. But she was actually recruited by Mori uh, during the Great War to help heal soldiers. And at the time, she was kind of like very young and naive. She was straddling between, I think, adolescence and, and teenagehood, so adulthood, um, and having this power that allows her to bring back soldiers from the depths of despair and basically from death. And over time, she developed a severe PTSD because she realized that Mori was using her to continuously revive his soldiers so that they can go back and fight his war for him. And over time, she grew so traumatized by the events that she was, her healing powers had been abused by her, that she basically shut down. Mori locked her up in an institute, and the detective agency had to kind of, like, break in to save her, and also, like, to give her a choice if she wanted to continue to become Mori's pet, or if she wanted to kind of, like, live out her own life and heal people 
like she's supposed to heal people, mm. you know. So I thought that was really interesting for the healer trope backstory. That's very different from a lot of our other stereotypical female roles, like Tsunade or any of the other ones that we have here that we've talked about currently. Yeah, no, I think she is fascinating, and it actually perfectly fits her namesake because the real life author Yosano of Japan is a very complicated person. She is a pioneer in women's rights, but near the end of her life, she also turned very uh, sharply towards nationalism in a very stark way to how she was before. It's complicated. She's a complicated figure, and humans are complicated. And I think, you know, Yosano's sort of eccentric eccentricity oh my gosh I can't speak (laughs) but Yosano's really (laughs) unique personality really fits with the sort of unique reputation the real life author held in her life so it's really fascinating and it it also is in my opinion one of the most unique type of healing powers I have ever seen so yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so I was just like wow that's so cool like you know what a badass way to show a female healer who gives no shits and is a very complicated person in general so i think she's like part of that one side of bungo stray dogs that i really like because all the side characters are really interesting and that somehow is the only thing that keeps me watching the show despite all of a lot of the other issues in bungo stray dogs that are pretty big when you're watching the rest of the show Mm -hmm. um so that's my first pick uh, let's talk about the healer that I dislike the most. Okay. And then we'll dive into the other healers that I think need a lot of spotlighting for, just so we can end on a happier note, right? <laughs> so it's not too depressive. Um, so the healer that I want to talk about that I hated the most for the longest time stems from childhood would be Orihime from uh. Bleach. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> No brainer, right? You know, if you watch Bleach for a long time or you've been around a community that talks about Bleach nonstop for the past 10, 20 years, Orihime is going to crop up several times. And one of the things that I disliked about Orihime, I actually didn't like, I actually liked her at the beginning because I didn't really see her as an integral member of the team she was just like <laughs> ichigo's childhood friend you know kind of thing um and she has a contract she's ichigo, good like, oh, as a side cute. dish that's it <laughs> <laughs> i mean she's a side dish ah! <laughs> that's too good that's too good but yes she's a side dish right she's like the actually she's like the unwanted side dish right she's not even like a good side dish <laughs> like you know how when you go to kbbq you have like the fish cake and the kimchi that's good side dishes. I, I think you're getting that side dish. <laughs> yes <laughs> As you can, I just ate dinner too, so I shouldn't be hungry. But here I am. Uh, she's the bad side dish where everyone's kind of looking at it. It's like nobody wants to eat it, you know, kind of thing. It is left literally on the other side of the KBBQ table. But anyway, food metaphors aside, um, Orihime, I didn't dislike her at the beginning. I thought she was fine. You know, she's just a side character. She's a normal human being. But when they decided to showcase that her powers come from these fairies slash uh, goodwill that's been kind of like implanted into her hair pieces like she can summon them to create shields and um, and heal people it kind of becomes really useless especially when she's stuck in Huecomendo where she literally cannot use them at all and I'm like 
Girl, they're at your disposal. Just use them. <laughs> like, don't be... Don't just stand there wait for, like, Ichigo, come save me. Like, no, just break out yourself, girl. You got the tools you need. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really hated that about Orihime, that she... Not only is her personality so passive, but they literally don't showcase any of her powers later on. Instead, they shift back to a hyper-focus on Ichigo and, like a lot of the other side characters that have like weird holification powers and whatnot. So it she really becomes useless at the end of the series and very insignificant in a very similar format to how Tsunade and Sakura were kind of built up too. Because if I remember correctly, reading from some of the Wikipedia stuff, in some of the handbooks, the official handbooks for Naruto, like Sakura was supposed to have a really high IQ, which is why she passed the Chunin exam really quickly on the written portion she didn't do well in the physical portion obviously but she passed for the uh for the written portion really well and i think that was supposed to augment her ability for medical ninja because you know doctors are supposed to be smart or whatever but unfortunately that also fell through and the same thing with orihime too where her powers are really useful like there's nobody in Ichigo's subset team that has the ability to heal or shield and she can do a lot with that too she can be a pretty proactive healer in combat but unfortunately she kind of becomes a reactive healer if she like gets hit herself or something and so it kind of becomes really boring to watch her at the end of it too yeah and she's dumb too so (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't help that there i don't have much to say because i know orihime is like one of the most controversial characters (laughs) and Bleach and I also know that a lot of people hated the relationship she got at the end so I will not say at that point at that point I didn't mind it because it was kind of like prophesized since the beginning and I'm like you know what I'm fine with this I just hate how what they did with her character but if she ends up with the crush that she likes as compared to a lot of other anime tropes where it's usually the first it's like love at first sight is usually the pairing that ends up together. I'm okay with that, honestly. Yeah, I just realized she did win and she's a childhood friend, so that is pretty rare. (laughs) Exactly. So I think the bleach... So funnily enough, I remember when that chapter came out and people saw it, there were a couple people who were just like, you know what? I'm glad that Ichigo, that Orihime got Ichigo. And they're like, oh, she's been pining for him for so long. Like, at least that happens, you know? And it's not the stereotypical, like, Rukia and Ichigo ship because, you know, they're the love at first sight from, like, this partnership that they have. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, Isabel, do you have more thoughts on Orihime? Because I didn't watch Bleach, and I uh, <laughs> I just knew my friends told me. They were like, hate Orihime, and I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I didn't hate her too much, I would say. I just kind of was like, okay, it's Orihime. That's all there is. Agnes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, big boobs. Yeah. Falls and, like, plants her face and dies, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Like, okay, here she is. She probably needs saving again. Or my favorite, Ichigo's injured. Here, Orihime, go heal him so he can fight again. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much what happens <laughs> repeatedly. The useless side. Yeah. I don't know why, but Isabel's dismissiveness somehow hurts more than <laughs> Agnes's barbarism. No, no, no. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Isabel's, like, deadpanness was really yeah. good. <laughs> Very well delivered. <laughs> oh, she's here. Okay, go heal him. Okay, now get in trouble. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Thanks to Kubo for setting up Orihime as very uh, formulaic. (laughs) 
All right. Well, it sounds like you have another one you would really like to talk about. So uh, please go ahead and take the floor. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, there is another healer character in Bleach that is actually better than Orihime. And that is Unahana, which is, who is the fourth captain of the, sh- of the uh, Shinigami division. She is in charge of the medical unit division and in the um, the Shinigami Citadel, and the anime cut like kind of covers her basically as a, a typical healer, like very motherly, very patient, very like she has a power that is like this big mantis glob thing that flies and kind of gobbles up injured Shinigami or persons into its stomach, and its stomach has like like healing powers and uh, liquids and fluids that coats the Shinigami and can actually transport them too. So it's really interesting how her power works out as the um, the medical chief in the Shinigami Citadel. But the coolest part about her actually happens in the Thousands Years work where they actually reveal her actual backstory. Oh, that's coming up! That in- which is actually coming up, which is I'm really excited about to see because we finally get some justice on a healer character who's actually really cool. And that is that Urohana herself was a notorious killer. Yeah. Oh! Prior to being a... Yeah, it was very unexpected. Like, nobody expected that. It turns out that she was a notorious killer in the in the like the Shinigami world that they live in and at the time she had picked up the medicinal like practices and powers the keto which is basically their their term for magic usage in bleach she picked up the keto from another medical practitioner who was kind of like her senpai and the only reason why she picked it up was so that she could prolong her fights she's a very bloodthirsty woman who wants to just fight for the thrill of fighting and was actually established as one of the oldest captains and developed the 11th division and was known for her her bloodthirstiness and it turns out that her successor is actually Kempachi <gasps> because Kempachi once best almost bested her and she ended up relinquishing the unit to him and would become the head of the fourth division which is a solely medical team so the fact that unohana actually has a lot of influence over soul society being like you know not just because she's a healer and that they're dependent on healers but she's an actual scary when it comes down to it like nobody wants to cross unohana if that means that her um her or her shikai which is like the big mantis thing that goes around and heals people turns into an actual bunkai that will literally kill you in seconds so that I'm really excited to see because it's the total flip on the whole healer trope. And un- and it really shows that Tight Kubo is capable of writing cool, badass women that haven't been relegated to the side for so long. Oh man, I wish it's I wish the um, upcoming Bleach has come out earlier so I could grab screenshots from that. <laughs> so, so now I have to grab screenshots from before this extremely interesting reveal in the story <laughs> yes well you can just grab the manga screenshots and i think a lot of fans would be like over the moon because they're like yes unahana deserves the the treatment oh man that yeah, that so. is fascinating i i am intrigued by that woman <laughs> yeah honestly like i think tight kubo cleaned up a lot of stuff from the thousands years arc especially to hype re-hyper focus on the 
Soul Society and the Shinigami residing it and give it cooler moments. So it might be something looking to look into. You can just skip all the filler arc that's known as Hokomendo, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and everything else with the visors and the holification stuff. You can skip most of that, honestly. <laughs> Wait, didn't you say like the thousand year arc wasn't like the best arc though, or it wasn't one of those incredibly good arcs? <laughs> it's both there are good, there are pros and cons with it. The pros is that they spotlight a lot of the side characters and give them a lot more cooler rele- relevance in the whole scheme of things. But in terms of Ichigo getting his powers and his overall ancestry is kind of bullshit. Oh, okay, okay. Alrighty then. Well, it sounds like we have covered our trope dissection. Before we leave off, I do want to say I remembered a guy healer, an actual guy healer. And it's Monobu from Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash, or Ash and Fantasy. Oh, that's right. Monobu's a priest. Yep, he's a priest and his main job is to heal, except something happens to him that I'm not going to say. But he has a very active uh, part and he's a healer. So we do have a guy healer in an anime that it, it just it just popped into my head during this episode while we were talking. So I just wanted to mention that really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did, Agnes, didn't you have a male healer too? I did, but he's technically a doctor. But I'll, I'll say it anyway and I'll see what your judgment is. Uh, my quote-unquote male healer would be Trafalgar D. Law from One Piece. And he's not technically a healer in the traditional sense of, you know, wave a staff and you cast magic or cure on somebody, right? right? But he's more so of a surgeon with his ope-ope fruit, his ope, his devil fruit, which is literally translated to the operational f- fruit, allows him to do like deep dissections into his patient. And it's technically categorized as a fruit that creates a hyperdimensional space, which allows him to do quick precision work on any kind of surgery and or heal people from certain ailments but what i think is really cool about it is that he even uses that in his active fighting as well um when you see it in i think punk hazard arc as well he's capable of taking the ope ope fruit and applying it to people's organs or hearts and literally taking it out of their body and holding it hostage so he'll hold on to somebody's heart as a hostage and tell them, like, if you don't do what I say, like, I'll crush you. And they can be, like, miles and miles and miles away from him, and he'll they'll still be able to do his bidding. And he still uses the open open fruit even outside of medical re- uh, means to, you know, kill his opponents or to, you know, make headlong with his attacks and whatnot. So I thought that was really cool. But like I said earlier, he's technically not a healer. He's a doctor, but his abilities is somewhat close to a healer because he has a lot of significant moments where he does heal people his entire crew which is a submarine craft is actually technically marked uh, at least prior to the current Wano arc was marked as neutral meaning that he will treat anybody who comes on board of his submarine craft or his ship but he cannot ally himself with other people because you know that would kind of be like a breach of medical like confidence and whatnot so i thought that was really interesting how he plays a super important role like halfway through the one piece story and now plays an even more significant role in the wano arc i think that counts honestly yeah you think okay he's using an ability right and that's something you don't really see and it's interesting that he uses it that way as well as the part that's amazing to me is that you know he can use it from thousands of miles away that's kind of scary honestly (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he has a lot of other really cool abilities, but that's the one that I remember the most because I'm just like, oh my gosh, a healer holding hostage somebody? Unheard of. 
Yeah, no, I think he definitely counts. Like, yeah, maybe his powers aren't literally healing somebody, but he's using it to heal. So it, it still counts in my in my book. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And I mean, like, um, the mangaka for One Piece, Oda, literally calls it Ope Ope Fruit, which is the operational fruit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He, can't, he can't get any more obvious than that, right? He likes to make a lot of puns with his naming conventions and whatnot in the series. So there it is. It's, like, very literal right there in your face. And it's kind of nice, too, because, like, it's uh, it's not the typical, like, you know, tie-up bandages. Because there are definitely other doctor types and healer types in One Piece, but they don't. I don't think they have the same impact as Trafalgar Law does. Alrighty then. Well, look at that. We did find two at the end. Yay! <laughs> After all our years of watching anime, two guys who are healers. Uh, but I hope. God, what a sad ratio. <laughs> well, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to us break down the trope dissection. Haha, uh, dissection. <laughs> what a way oh to my end. god, <laughs> right what there at the end. I hate this. End. So, I hope everyone enjoyed it and my little pun at the end. Uh, uh, next week, we have a really fun topic as well. So I hope you will be with us next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.